All right, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the vest. We are away right now in Germany with work. So doing this show solo for this week. Uh, hopefully we'll have some more guests joining next week. And we have a very special guest coming in October. But you're just going to have to keep tuning in and waiting for that uh, that reveal. Um, I'm working with that their team right now. But it's going to be a very special episode. Hope you guys tune in and uh, see who I have joining me on the vest. So let's talk. Let's talk some football from last week. A lot of people were talking about the Colorado and Nebraska game. And, you know, is Colorado for real? Well, it's not just a hype train up there in Boulder. Uh, Deion Sanders came out and showed that his team is for real. Um, they were the underdog, quote-unquote, in this one, even though they were ranked going against a Nebraska team that lost to Minnesota um, due to some costly, uh, timely turnovers. Um, they're hoping that, you know, Sims could clean it up this week. And unfortunately, Sims was the culprit again to why Nebraska lost this one. Um, a costly interception and just not being able to take care of the ball uh, really, really was the difference maker here. But Shadur Sanders and that offense kept flying uh, in Boulder. Um, this team looks legitimate. Now, there are a few rumors going around about Dion possibly moving to Michigan State, which I don't know why he would after he just got to Colorado. Maybe because they have more money. I don't know. But that there's always a possibility that at the end of the year, Dion could be moving to Michigan State and, and bigger bigger fish to fry. But, you know, you never know what's going on in the rumor mill. And, you know, but that's something I saw today, kind of reading through a few areas, um, that Dion could possibly be getting looked at by Michigan State after what he did at Jackson State and now what he's doing at Colorado. Now, he won't have the same success because he can't bring the same players with him due to the eligibility rules. Unless they are all graduates, that is the only way that they could possibly get a immediate uh, allowance to play um, if they were to transfer again. But let's keep moving on. We're going to move on to another big game um, out of the Big Ten, which was Wazoo taking on Wisconsin and Luke Fickle. Um, and in this one, Cam Ward looked like a a dark horse Heisman like he was last year um, before he fell off late in the year. Um, they had a huge lead at one point. I believe it was like 21-7, and it looked brutal for the Badgers. But the Wazoo team let Wisconsin back in, only leading by two points here um, at the end of the third. But Cam Ward um, got the offense going again, uh, kind of put the team on his shoulders, made some big plays in the fourth quarter, and that defense came up with a few key stops to really give Wazoo the commanding um, victory and lead uh, late in this one. So Wazoo ended up taking care of business and uh, helping the Pac-12 have another great showing against a Power 5 team. Um, speaking of Power 5 teams, Oregon Oh my goodness. Oregon looked like they they kind of did what they did last year going into a, a you know kind of a good game um on the road. They're down in Lubbock and almost got turned in some duck tacos. 
down in Lubbock as the Red Raiders look to complete the upset before uh, throwing a costly pick six late in the fourth quarter. Um, they're only down one, so they're driving the field and uh, looking really good early in the game. They're actually beating Oregon pretty handily, and then Oregon finally decided to you know shape up and um, held, held the Red Raiders to very few points in the second half uh, while they mounted their comeback. But the pick six gave them an eight-point lead and escaped with most of their tail feathers going back to Eugene. Um, we're going to move south back into Miami area. So uh, Miami was taking on AM, and this is one of the games that we highlighted last week. Um, and I, I was talking with Ryan about this um, during the game. I was like, because it was close, it was back and forth a little bit, and he was like, man, A&M's looking good. I was like, A&M looks good for now. Miami Miami made some mistakes, uh, mistakes and um, I think Mario Cristobal is going to make the adjustments that he needs to, and, and they'll be fine. Um, but definitely show that Mario Cristobal and what he was doing at Oregon – is happening down in Miami. He's getting this buy-in from all their all their players, especially on offense with that offensive coordinator, um, trusting in the players to make the checks at the line, you know, change the plays when they need to. Um, and you saw Van Dyke tear apart that Aggie defense. Um, if it wasn't for the heat that down there in Miami or uh, the heat that's been blistering Texas, you know, the past few months, it's, de- it's probably the AM boosters turning up the dial on Jimbo Fisher's seat. Um, the Aggies looked, you know, like I said, decent in the first half. And then Mario Cristobal and the Hurricanes mounted that huge second half and pulled away um, thanks to some turnovers and defensive stops. But this is a good sign for Mario Cristobal in his second year down in Miami and and giving some good hope to, to the U faithful. Um, the big question is, can they keep this momentum up and challenge for the ACC crown alongside Florida State, North Carolina, and Clemson? Um, they really don't have a big test in, in a few games, so they have a few weeks to kind of get healthy, get things a little bit more in sync, um, and then they take on the Tar Heels October 14th. That is going to be a huge game. Um, and then we'll get into the game of the week, so... My big thing here, is Texas actually back? A lot of people are saying Texas is back, Texas is back, Texas is back. A lot of people think what Texas did this past weekend was impossible. Have a former Nick Saban assistant come into Saban's house in Tuscaloosa and knock them off. A lot of people think that's nearly impossible unless you're Kirby Smart or, you know, some like I think one other coach has done that in Tuscaloosa. Um, Texas controlled the line of scrimmage in this one, making Alabama very one-dimensional. Um, they made Jalen Milrow beat them through the air, which ended up being their Achilles heel. Um, I do not, and I said this last week, Jalen Milrow is not the answer in Tuscaloosa. The kid is very gifted. He can throw a deep ball pretty well. But I would say two of those touchdowns probably never should have happened. Um, the receivers went up and made some amazing plays. I think one was a one-handed catch. The other was a, a very talented acrobatic catch um, in the end zone. 
like a lot of these plays probably never should have happened, and Milrow got lucky. He just kind of threw the ball up there and prayed that his guys were better. I know one went through the hands of a defender that should have been intercepted. Um, this Alabama team looks all sorts of out of sync and just did not have it together in this one. Um, I think they just showed the the game pr- or the blueprint to beating Alabama this year. So we will see, you know, depending on if he's if Jalen stays the quarterback, you see the blueprint to beat them. Force him to to throw the ball, you know, drop seven guys in coverage, three guys rushing, and one as a spy, someone that can keep up with him um, in speed and in quickness. Because Jalen does have a lot of agility, like he can make some cuts, he can make some moves, but um, but if you can close in on him and kind of keep him contained, he is not that good. Um, he, he can't, he's not very accurate with the ball. He threw two interceptions, which were, I thought he was thrown to the defender the entire time. Um, it it was without question that, um, if you force him to pass the ball, it's, it's over. So we'll get into the games of the week here. Um, some of the big games this week, we're going to go with a, uh, a big 12 old school, big 12 game. Uh, kind of a border war with Kansas State taking on Mizzou. Um, this one's interesting because Mizzou always has a few games throughout the year that you know they just show up and play in. Um, and this may be one of them, especially taking on an old Big 12 foe um, in Kansas State. But Kansas State looks pretty good right now. They're ranked 15th, I believe, in the nation. Um, I'm liking Kansas State. I like what they're doing on offense up there. Um, I just like what they do compared to Missouri. Missouri last year could have and probably should have beat Georgia um at home. But I'm I'm liking Kansas State in this one. Uh I think they have too much on the line, too much um that they're working for, especially last year after winning the Big Twelve and knocking off TCU in the Big Twelve championship. I think they're they're gonna continue that that they're winning ways and uh and take this one fairly easily. Um, I think the spread was only like seven points. Um, it was fairly close, but um, Kansas State wins this one and uh, shows that the Big 12, um, well, not even the Big 12, the SEC necessarily isn't the greatest when it comes to outside conference games. Um, next one up, we're, it's not really a big game of the week. I think Colorado and Colorado State is going to be very one-sided. Um, I think Colorado wins this one handily i'm gonna say by three scores so probably you know 17 points i don't know what the actual spread is but i think colorado wins this especially with the added fuel um that colorado state's coach said today during his press conference um about when i'm talking with adults i take off my hat and my sunglasses because that's how my mom raised me i think Dion's going to take exception to that i think he's going to use that as bulletin board material for his team that they're not you know uh, gentleman or mannered or you know whatever, but um, if you haven't seen the post on Facebook about what Dion's motto is of um, truth, um, and I believe I have it up here. It's uh, trust in God, respect myself and others, understand I have unlimited possibilities, try my best and never give up. And then honor the truth 
and its creed at all times. Now, I don't know about you, but that is one heck of an acronym and one heck of a saying. Um, he's got all the players buying into that motto of truth. Um, and I think we're going to see the truth in the scoreboard this weekend when Colorado takes on the Rams and shows that, you know, the Bison are, are superior in Colorado once again. Uh, another game coming up is another border war. Um, you ha- kind of have like this in-state civil war there with Colorado, Colorado State. Now let's go back to another border war with Georgia and South Carolina. Um, this really is Georgia's biggest test this season. They've had some cupcakes and they've struggled mightily with them. I think it was 0-0 at the end of the first against Ball State. They didn't look good in week one against, I don't even remember, it wasn't anyone good. Um, but Georgia will actually go up against a quarterback that can actually do something in an offense that has some skill players. So we'll see if Spencer Rattler can come out in this one and kind of look like Spencer Rattler at the end of last year. He didn't look great in week one, week two, he looked a little bit better. So hopefully this week they're a little bit more in sync and uh Beamer ball and all of his, his ways kind of shine through. Uh, this week and and we'll see if Georgia can actually not sleepwalk through a game. Um, Georgia seemed to sleepwalk the first first uh, quarter each week, and it's it's almost worrisome, especially if you're a coach, because if that's week in and week out happening, what's going to happen when they actually have a big game? Are they actually going to wake up and actually show up and play? You know the first three quarters and take off the last one when it doesn't matter and they're up by, you know, four scores or are they going to sleepwalk through the first quarter again and get down and um, be losing and then actually have to turn on and they may stall out and sputter. Um, so we'll see what happens this week. Um, I forget where that game is at. Give me two seconds. Let me pull that up. Um, I think it's in South Carolina, if I'm correct, but I I could be mistaken here. Let's see. Where is it? It's not on my thing. Oh, so it is in Georgia. So it's between the hedges, and Georgia is a 27.5-point favorite Um I don't know about you, but I'm I'm taking the twenty seven and a half uh for South Carolina. I don't think Georgia has covered the spread at all this season. Um I know they didn't last week because I picked against them in the spread and they bit me in the butt. Um UT Martin, I think their spread was like forty something as well. Um it was fifty and they didn't even make that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the points and go for South Carolina if I was betting against the the spread in this one. Um, Georgia just I don't know what what is going on in Georgia right now, but um, they better wake up in Athens if they want to, you know, do something this weekend. Um, another good one if you're a follower of, you know, some smaller schools. Um, James Madison is taking on Troy, um, and that is in Troy this weekend. So, um, huge game coming to Alabama, not, you know, in Tuscaloosa or in Auburn. Um, James Madison looked pretty good last week. They've looked good the past year. Um, this is their second year in division one. 
playing against these big schools. Um, they've won a couple titles at the D2 level um, and just, you know, they they played North Coast State and all those you know schools that you hear all the time in Division two really really well, um, and it's good to see you know one of these newer schools kind of come up and come back to and come to relevancy. Um, it's good for college football. It's good to, for that underdog story, and I think uh, that I believe it's the Dukes of James Madison. I think they they take this one. I don't think Troy has enough offense or you know skill as they did last year um james madison pulled off a big win last week against virginia um where they were down uh decently in the game um i don't think it really got ever out of hand but they're down probably at least 10 points and um they ended up coming back and beating virginia um by just a handful of points in that one um so it shows the the grit and tenacity that James Madison um, needs to to have to play in some of these games. So I I like James Madison in this one. I'm sorry for all my Alabama listeners and all all my Alabama fans, um, but I don't think Troy has enough going on this year to to keep them from losing this one and and winning a consecutive title in the Sun Belt. So give me give me James Madison in this one. Uh, another game this week. Um, is Penn State taking on Illinois? It's their Big Ten opener, and it's on the road. So we'll get to see what Drew Aller and that team can do. Um, this is Drew Aller's real first real road test as a starting quarterback. Um, he did come in last year against Purdue on the road when Sean Clifford went out and delivered a dime uh, of a pass to the sideline to um, Bretton Strange for a first down. Um, the kids got the moxie. We've seen him throw pretty pretty well the first two weeks of the season. I think last week he was 14 for 15 in his first 15 passes. Um, and then the offense, the running, the backfield last week ended up putting up over 300 yards on the ground. Um, they ended up putting over 200-some-odd yards in the air. So this team is is just reeling to get going um, and being able to go a, an entire full game. So this team let the let the second stringers come in in the fourth quarter and get some get some good time, kind of get them some experience in the in these smaller games, um, just in case any, if anything happens, they have some some experience and can get into that environment and understand. Hey, I've been here, I've done this before, so. Uh, and the final game of the week, well, not second to final game, uh, we're going to go Tennessee versus Florida. This is always a, a interesting game. Um, the way Florida looked week one against Utah, I am not impressed with them, especially last week just beating up on a a FCS team. Um, I, I'm I'm still not sold on this Florida team. I'm still not sold on Bill Napier and and Graham Mertz down in Florida. Um, I think Joe Milton and and the Volunteers take this one pretty easily. Um, the spread on this is uh, Tennessee by six, and I think it's going to be a lot worse than that. Um, I see Tennessee winning this one by at least 10. It's going to be at least a two-possession game, if not worse. I don't think Florida... I don't think Florida has it in them 
to to compete this year. Um, and I uh, after week one, I honestly think they could go five and seven. I honestly don't see them doing much better than six and six. Um, this team just doesn't look connected. They don't look, you know, great. Um, they beat up on McNeese last week, forty nine to seven. I mean, McNeese isn't that good. Um, I think Tennessee is probably better than Utah, um, but they have Charlotte next week, which is an easy game. Then they play Kentucky and Vanderbilt, and then they got they then they go into the hard part of the schedule of South Carolina, Georgia, Arkansas, LSU, Mizzou, and then Florida State. Like I could see maybe, well, definitely Charlotte, Vanderbilt, and maybe South Carolina. So there's three games that I could see them potentially winning. So there's only four wins. And they have to scrap up two more wins throughout that schedule to be bowl eligible. And I don't know where that's going to happen this year. Um, unless they really flip a switch and Napier gets them going, good luck, boys. But it might be a, it might be a hard time in the swamp this year. And the final game, which is probably the most intriguing game just because of the intensity that it brings every single season, is going to be the Pitt-West Virginia game in the border war. Um, this game has offered countless walk-off victories. Um, I saw a highlight earlier today where it was like 42-41 with 20 seconds to go and West Virginia threw a, a Hail Mary um for like a 50-yard touchdown uh to walk it off with 15 seconds left. Um needless to say they stopped Pitt on the, the their short drive of probably like two or three plays and uh I believe last year was a very interesting year as well. Um I believe Pittsburgh won the game but is very close. Um, and I'm just going to pull that up right now. But this game is typically very intriguing um, because you tend to see a few fights. It gets very chippy. Um, it's not... It's not a... It's not a game for the fan of hearts. Um so Pittsburgh leads the series uh, 62 to 40, but West Virginia holds a 16, nine and one record in the last 26 meetings. Um, previous head to head matchup, uh, West Virginia. No, that was a long time ago. So let's see football history here, right here coming from WVU sports. So last year it was a 38 to 31 victory for Pittsburgh. Um, back in 2011, it was 21, 20, 2010 was a little bit worse. Um, 35, 10, 19 to 16, 15 to 19, nine to 13. Like it, it is a tough game to win 13 to 16 back in 2004. So, um, a lot of these games are are very close. They're very exciting. Um, you get some big hits from both teams. But this is going to be an intriguing matchup and why I have it as the final game of the week to talk about. 
Um, Pat Narduzzi, he's a, a great coach at Pittsburgh. Um, but what I saw from the Mountaineers in game one against Penn State in a hostile environment um, was just a team that has a lot of grit. Um, they're going to fight you until the end. Uh, I think their quarterback can be pretty good. Um, if you got a little bit more help, I think they haven't utilized the weapons of Devin Carter as much as they needed to. Um, he is the transfer at NC State that was once committed to Penn State before he backed off that commitment and ended up going to West Virginia. Um, trying to find the line for this one. Uh, I forgot they're not ranked, so it's not going to pull up on the top 25 page. But let's see here. This game is in West Virginia. West Virginia is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, Pittsburgh lost last week to Cincinnati, which is a game that I called um, in our Pick'em League, um, and they beat Woford in week one. So I'm not too keen on Pittsburgh. Um, They really... Maybe it's an in-state rival type deal, but I'm just not high on uh, Pat Narduzzi, especially with some of the comments that he's made about the in-state rivalry with Penn State and recruiting and the players and this and that. Um, I don't think he's very classy. I just don't like his style. Um, and I think if Penn State ever played them again, I think Penn State would just mollywop them with all the the bulletin board statements that they've made. Um West Virginia played Duquesne in week two, uh, put up 56 points on them. Um, I mean, West Virginia did put up 15 on Penn State, which, I mean, that game could have gotten out of hand a lot more. Uh, Penn State did throw their subs in there late in the fourth quarter um, and still ended up scoring on that defense. But I think what they did um, with Green – um, and some of their guys last week kind of getting them going. I think they run the ball very well. Their interior line is going to control that game, and they're going to be able to run the ball pretty well. And if they can get Devin Carter and some of their other weapons going on the outside, I think this West Virginia team could easily win this game. Um, but it should be a very good game. Um, both teams are one on one heading into it, and it is a 6.30 kickoff. So... Um, be looking forward to that this weekend. Um, if you want to send some questions in to the podcast, um, you can hit me up on Facebook at The Vest Podcast. Be sure to check out your local Friday Night Lights and hope you guys enjoy another great weekend of football. College football is back. NFL is back. We have Thursday Night Football tonight with the Eagles taking on the Vikings. And it's going to be another great weekend. Hopefully your fantasy football did better than mine. Um, I went one-on-one all the weekend, so hopefully we'll rebound in week two. And uh, best of luck to everyone. And I want to give a shout-out to a few players out there. Uh, J.K. Dobbins and Aaron Rodgers both got injured this past weekend. J.K. Dobbins and Aaron Rodgers had Achilles injuries. I wish them the best and a speedy recovery. Um, it's never easy to get injured especially in game one. Um, J.K. Dobbins has had some very bad luck when it comes to this, but I, I wish them a, a speed recovery and a a good season next year uh, if and when they come back. So have a great weekend, y'all, and uh, looking forward to having a new episode next week.